0: Thank you for choosing this podcast from The Calling Community Church. As a Christ-centered community, our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today recorded live inside the Wilson Arts Auditorium at Platt County High School in Platt City, Missouri.
1: One of the best inheritance you can leave your child is to teach them about Jesus. I mean, that is something that's eternal, right? It never goes away. And it's one of the best things that you can do for them. And there's a lot of things we can do for our kids. Uh, There's a lot of things we do do for our kids. One out of 168, what do you think that means? Hours in a week. So how many hours are your kids in church? Typically about one, one and a half, If Brady gets long-winded, all right? And so one out of 168 hours is not enough to teach them everything they need to know about walking with the Lord. And that's the reason why it's so important as a family that we take what we've learned, we pass it on to our children. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, not too long ago, I saw this, this on 60 Minutes. This was a story about an ancient form of hunting called falconry. It is one of the, the oldest forms of hunting known to man. And they actually train these golden eagles to hunt uh, for them, and they go and they will like catch a fox or whatever. They will take the pelt off the fox and give the bird the meat as a reward. And so, one of the things that was interesting about this story, and it really struck my interest when I was thinking about making disciples and about us as parents teaching our children. They were asked this question: the guy that was doing the um, story says, "Do you know? Do you worry that one day there'll be no more eagle hunters?" And the guy responded, no, it's an essential art that the Kazakhs are born with. Since Kazakhs have come to the earth, they have been practicing this tradition. It will not disappear. Also, each of us have a young person that we teach like this boy. It passes from generation to generation. That, my friends, is the key to effective discipleship in the church. It is us passing our faith from generation to generation. To generation, We are discipling our kids whether we know it or not. You, you don't think so? Just look and see the way they act. And you start, you know what? They kind of act like us. They kind of do some of the same things we do. And I wonder why that is. It's because you are discipling them. You are teaching them. They are learning from you, whether it be negative or Positively, And we know that's true. I know it's true in my own home. And this boy, Becca, is the hope of his family's traditional world. He's learning other things like horsemanship and falconry. And so this kind of leads me into our, our talk this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9. So if you have your Bible with you, turn to Luke chapter 9. So go ahead and start going there. And so just like kind of disclaimer from the very beginning, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, right? I am a Christian. That is someone who is called a Christ one, a student of Jesus's yoke, his unique form um, of teaching and the unique things that he was teaching. So when Jesus was walking on the earth, he was, a, they called him a rabbi and he was teaching his disciples, his followers, his yoke. And so as parents, you're teaching your children your yoke. This is what our family believes. This is what our family does. This is how our family uh, operates in this community. This is how we serve. This is how we live in the community. It's your yoke. And when you learn this yoke from Jesus, it makes you a disciple of his. It makes you a learner, a student. I'm not in a religion. I hear that all the time. Just this week, someone said, well, I'm not really a religious person. I said, neither am I. I'm in a relationship. I'm in a relationship with the God of the universe through faith in his son whom he sent. That makes me a follower of Jesus. The first disciples, you see in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20, when Jesus called his first disciples. So Jesus was actively looking for people to follow him not just like physically, but yeah, that too. He was saying, I want you to come and be like me. I want you to learn from me and be me to the rest of the world. That's what he was asking people to do. As he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was later called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea. Why? Because they were fishermen. That's who they were before they met Jesus. Okay, now, interestingly enough, I don't think they stopped fishing altogether. They just became different types of fishermen. They became fishermen who not only fished for fish, but they also learned then to fish for people. Jesus says, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, it says they left their nets and they followed him. And so it was literally Jesus asking them to stop what it was they were doing and start doing something completely different. And so from the very beginning of these commands, by the way, if you didn't get one of these keychains, there's some more in a basket out on the table. Grab one if you, if you can, if you think about it, there's some left back there. Because the very first thing, it says repent and believe. The very first thing these guys had to do was they had to stop what they were doing, believe in this new teacher, this new teaching, and then follow Jesus. And that's what it means to be a disciple, Well, you know, there are lots of people who have followers. Selena Gomez has 141 of them on Instagram. All right, Barack Obama, believe it or not, has the most Twitter followers, 113.2 million. I have 4,421 Facebook friends, but oddly enough, only 207 of them say that they are following me. I don't know how to feel about that, really. It kind of hurts. A lot of people who follow me, not even are my friends. They're just like random people from different countries. I don't know why they're following me. I should probably look behind my shoulder and figure that out. Cristiano Ronaldo, 122 million people and a half people follow him on Facebook. That was just that was a couple years ago, so who knows how many there are now. But the thing is, is we can be a fan of someone else but we're not called to follow them. Can I get an amen? Amen, I listen, I, I grieved, I cried when Kobe Bryant died and his little girl. I did, and I was a fan of Kobe's, but I'm sorry, I was not a follower of Kobe's. It wasn't my desire to be, now, I would have been nice to play like that, and I would trade paychecks with him, but I'd never trade jobs, you know? It's just too much work. But I was not a follower of his. I didn't want to be like Kobe when I grew up. Because I'm a follower of Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus, to become like him, to grow and to know more about what it looks like, to really love and be like him as, much, as best we possibly can while we're here on earth. There's a book called Not a Fan, written by this guy named Kyle Eidelman. This is a quote from the book. Jesus is looking for more than words of belief. He's looking to see how those words are lived out in your life. When we decide to believe in Jesus without making a commitment to follow him, we become nothing more than fans. I know a lot of people, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I love Jesus, he's a cool dude, man. Uh, you know, he did some good stuff while he was here on earth, and, and apparently uh, he died, but then he claims he came back to life. I and mean, that's a pretty good deal. I mean, that, I guess I should probably look more into that. But, and I really don't know, I mean, I didn't see it with my own eyes, so I don't really want to believe it. Because if I really want to believe it, then it's going to require something of me. It's going to call me to a different type of life. It's going, to, it's going to challenge me a little bit. And even people who don't really believe in Jesus know that much. And I'll tell you a story about a guy that I met at Caribou Coffee here in just a little while, um, just this week. There's a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who literally gave his life for the truth. He actually went, he, tried to, he tried to kill Hitler. I mean, he was so passionate about just removing evil from the earth, he literally um, gave his life for the gospel. Died at a very young age. And he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And actually, that's, that's biblical. It's scripture. And we'll, we'll look into this here in just a minute in Luke chapter 9. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple. Now, in... Um, the Christian Standard Bible, the translation I'm going to use this morning, it'll, it'll use a little bit different language when it says disciples, but it'll talk about following and come after me. Another translation may say, come after me, Jesus said. It says, you must deny it themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So do you have Luke 9? You guys Ready? All right, so let's start at verse number 18. It says, While Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? And so they answered, some say John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah, still others. um, that You might be one of the ancient prophets that came back to life. But then Jesus asked this powerful question. He said, hey, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered. Peter gave the the answer to the question. He says, you are God's Messiah. You are the anointed one, the chosen one. You are who we have been waiting for. But then he strictly warned and instructed them to tell this to no one. That was odd, right? Yeah, like for a while, Stephen Mallory, they just kind of, they kept this secret because they wanted to make sure everything was good before they made an announcement. That had to be hard, so hard. They just wanted to probably just tell the whole world, you know. But at this particular time, for some reason, Jesus said, hey, don't, it's not time yet. Don't tell anyone. But can I just jump ahead to tell you that that time is over. It is time, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for us to tell others who this Jesus is and what difference he makes in your life. Says, it is necessary that the Son of Man may suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes. He's going to be killed and he'll be raised on the third day. I wish I could say that Jesus' followers, his disciples, got it right then, but they were still, they, they still couldn't really see. It's like I learned this, um, I learned this the other day at the Chamber of Commerce lunch. It's really interesting. This lady came and talked about complaining. And she talked about the effect complaining has on you physically and mentally. And and I I was convicted listening to this woman talk about complaining. And one of the things she got to the end is she had this triangle. And at the bottom of the triangle, it was unconscious incompetence. So that is where you, you don't even know you're doing it, and you can't do anything to fix it. Anybody else feel that way in an area of their life where they're just like complete? Until now, all of a sudden, you're like, now nah, I'm conscious of it. Thanks a lot, Brady. But once you begin to be conscious of it, then you got to decide, how am I going to be competent to fix the issue? And so these, I believe the disciples at this particular time, they were unconscious and, incom- and they weren't able to fix the problem. Incompetent. They were completely incompetent. Now, as they went on, obviously, as they got on the other side of the death and resurrection of Jesus, they were conscious and they were striving to be competent. And I think that's, a, that's something for all of us to say, you know what, once I begin to realize who it is that Jesus says he is, and I get a conscious understanding of that, now I want to be competent in my disciple-making. I want to be good at telling other people about Jesus. I want to be good at telling other people about the difference Jesus has made in my own life. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. It says, Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, that is, be my disciple, Let him basically put himself aside, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. At some point, some of us would be say, "I'm out." It sounds way too hard. I mean, last week we talked about giving my money. That's painful enough. Now you're seeing I have to lose my life in order to find it. I don't know about this, Brady. It's getting a little weird. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes into his glory and says, and that of the Father and his holy angels. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And So real quickly, I just want to... I want to cruise through some of the things we can learn from this passage of scripture about a disciple. All right, so we just heard the story. A disciple prays. If you're a follower of Jesus, follow the example. You need to be a person of prayer, and maybe you're really good at that. Maybe you're not. Don't stop. Just don't give up. Keep learning to pray. A disciple knows the answer to the question when Jesus says, "Who do you say I am?" We know the answer to that question. You are the Anointed One, Jesus. You are the chosen one. A disciple looks for opportunities to share what Jesus has done for them. Jesus said not to share back then. Now he's saying it's time. It's time that we share. We cannot be afraid. We cannot be ashamed. A disciple says to to self, um, "No to self, and yes, to possibly even suffering. Because that might be what it takes for us to truly follow Jesus. A disciple knows that in God's kingdom, in order to truly win, You must lose. That doesn't even make sense in our culture, does it? Like as a coach, my daughter's a coach. She never goes into the game saying, okay, girls, here's what we got to do. we got to lose today if we're going to win, all right? Let's go out. Let's score as few runs as possible. All right, let's make as many errors as possible. She coaches track. Let's run as slow as you possibly can. She never tells the girls to run as slow as they possibly can. She tells them to run as fast, right? We've got to run to win. We've been taught that from a very early age. We disciple our kids to win, don't we? Coach Miller. Yeah, he's got his precious little girl. She's, she's a fun, she's fun to watch. He coaches her to win. That's what we do. But in the kingdom it says, if you truly want to win, you've got to learn to lose. A disciple knows that their treasure is in heaven, that there is nothing on earth or on earth worth more than your soul. And a disciple is not ashamed of his master disciple isn't concerned about their name being in the spotlight. Disciples welcome little children. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. It's significant because, you know what, little children, other than just pure joy, they really can't do anything for you. I mean, they can't. They're, they're, they're basically unconscious and incompetent. Aren't they? I mean, really? Until they get a little bit older and you can start putting them to work. You know, back in the day when you had kids, they were workers on the farm. Not anymore. (laughs) Now, they just become liabilities. Don't get me wrong, I love them. I do. This is my granddaughter right here. I love her. I'm so excited to see her today. But she brings me joy. But other than that, there's really not a whole lot she can do for me yet, you know. Sometimes, sometimes you know, we would rather, we'd, rather welcome, um, we'd rather welcome people with prestige and honor and uh, back to last week with money. Like, man, if Clark Hunt came, Clark Hunt came and said, hey, Brady, I just want to have a word here at your church. Oh, we welcome him because there's something Clark Hunt could possibly do for all of us, right? And we're thinking tickets. <laughs> But yet Jesus says, "No, no, 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 no." No, if you're going to be my disciple, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about welcoming those who can't do anything for you. That's the difference in his kingdom. The disciple knows if you want to be a hero, you got to be a zero. Doesn't make sense. But he says, "Make yourself nothing, let me be something." A disciple respects others that are doing great things in his name. In the scripture later on, if you'll read, I'm gonna, I don't have time to read it all, but if you'll read on in Luke, Luke chapter nine, you'll see that um, the disciples began to argue about who's going to be the best in the kingdom. They just miss completely what Jesus just taught them, right? They're they're still unconscious, still incompetent, and they begin to who's okay, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus is like yo 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 brother, first of all, kids are greater than you, all right, because they have a they have a they just have a deeper understanding at their age. They just trust me more. They, just, they listen to me and do what I ask them to do. And you'll find out later on in the scripture that uh, there are other people doing things in the name of Jesus, and they're like, hey, Jesus, Jesus, man, they're not, they're, not, they're not doing it like we are. They're not coming to the calling. Surely they're not doing the right thing. No, no, no. If they're doing it in the name of Jesus, let them. And then it says a disciple doesn't have hate in their heart. You know later on in the scripture that uh, the Samaritans don't welcome Jesus in their community, and you know what the disciple said? These boneheads, you know what they said? Jesus, you want me to call down fire from heaven on them? Do you have some people in your life you would like to call some fire down from heaven on? Yeah, let's just be honest. Mm -hmm, Yeah, mm, I do. Is it it okay for me to say that? Yeah, amen. Just get it out right now. Yeah, just say yes and amen. But you know what? You know what Paul teaches us later on in the the book of Romans? He actually says you should heap burning coals on your enemy's head. You're like, yes, now we're talking. Get out the burning coals. But we are to bless them, not consume them. <laughs> we are to consume people with our love, not our hate. Can I get an amen? A disciple doesn't make excuses. At the end of, the, of Luke 9, Jesus calls people to follow him. Three different people Jesus goes to, hey, will you follow me? And they're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I'll get right on that. But I got these other things I got to take care of first. And Jesus is like, you're not worthy of me. You don't look back. If you're going to follow me, don't look back. I want you to be all in. I want you to be fully committed. I want you to put your hands to the plow. And if we're going to put our hands to the plow, we got to look ahead, right, to see where we're plowing. Talk about a distracted driver. <laughs> we're a distracted plower. We're not paying attention to what's going on. If we do that, where's, we're, we're going to go everywhere. We're going to go all over the place. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Stay focused on me. As a follower of Jesus, scripture says we've been reconciled to God. We have been literally taken from death to life. And our relationship with the Father has been redeemed and restored. We have a beautiful thing going. It's awesome. As a result of that, we've been then given this ministry to help other people find reconciliation. That's why he's reconciled us. Remember last week I talked about what you've been given to be a good steward of what you've been given is to bring honor to God and to bless others. That's the whole purpose of it. We are his ambassadors. As if, it says in Scripture, God's making his appeal to the world through you and me. It's a beautiful picture. But you know what? You say, Brady... Listen, man, I do not have the gift of evangelism. I do not have the ability to just engage in this conversation and turn it into a spiritual conversation. I don't really know how to do that. I'm not Brady Rogers. I'm not that bold. But you know what? You might not have the gift of evangelism, but you're all called to go. You are all called to share what it is. At least maybe you have a little bit of conscious now and you're still a little incompetent. Maybe you're still trying. You're all called to go. And how we go is as unique as our own personalities and styles. You don't have to do it like Brady does it. You don't have to do it like this Brady does it. You do it the way God has wired you and called you to do it in the places he's called you to go. People need to see and hear the gospel in your life as you are on your way doing the things God has called you to do. Where you go is a matter of opportunity and obedience. You might notice that there'll be an opportunity, but then you got to decide, am I going to walk out in obedience and go where he's called me to go? Doesn't mean you have to go on a mission trip, but you could. This summer, Justin and his wife, Julie, are going to be leading a team back down to Dallas, to youth world, to bless little kids from a different part of the world from where you're from. And it's beautiful. It's messy, but it's awesome. And you should decide, maybe I should go. Maybe you should take your family and watch your kids learn to to love like that. It might mean that you have to just go across the room. Maybe the person you need to reach with the gospel and disciple is your spouse. And you said, "Braid, I've already tried that. That is not easy. (laughs) There's a lot of of incompetency and unconsciousness there. It might be your, your children or it might be your friends or your relatives or whoever it is. It definitely means that you're gonna need to get out of your comfort zone. We can be a witness in the way That we serve and love one another. Jesus said, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you belong to me. You're my disciples if you love one another. And he's talking about you and me. We got to get it right here first, right? That complaining message is for all of us. (laughs) Because sometimes we'll do that in church life. We'll start to complain about each other. That has no room in church life. Now, do you have a concern? That's fine. Come to me. We'll work it out. But if we're just complaining behind somebody's back and you're not going to the person who can fix the problem, don't do it. Don't do it. Making disciples is a supernatural overflow of being a disciple. If you are a follower, you want others to follow Jesus too. That's just naturally. Like if you, if you discovered, like I said, I say this a lot, if you discovered a new place to eat and it's really good, man, you're telling everybody about it. I don't know what Jesus' Yelp reviews would be like. For some, it'd be pretty harsh, man. Jesus asked you to give up everything to come follow him. Uh, one star. Or you might be like, Jesus has given everything me so that I might follow him I'll give him five plus proclaiming the love of Christ is the overflow of sharing in the life of Christ alright moving along it's the power of story this is a way to make disciples meet with someone and just ask them hey just tell me your story empathize with them Find a place of connection. Find a place where you can say, you know what? Me too. Yeah, I get it. I know how you feel. Tell your story. That's your testimony. We're going to talk more about that next week. Jacob is going to share his testimony, and we're going to talk about the power of you sharing your own story. Be ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. His name's Ryan. Big, tall. Good-looking guy, beautiful green eyes, just very confident in himself. He, uh, I'm sitting at Caribou Coffee. I'm having coffee. I'm studying. Listen, I'm studying to teach you how to make disciples, and here's a guy who presents himself in front of me to learn what it is to be a disciple. He said, uh, he got up and he said, uh, yo, man, are, are you a pastor? I have no idea how he knew that. I did not have my Bible. I didn't have my pastor credentials where, around my neck. I didn't have anything that said. I had a Royals hoodie on. And I'm sitting there. And he said, hey, are you a pastor? I said, "What? are you a pastor? He's like, oh, no, man, I'm just kind of lost and confused right now. And I was like, beautiful. Have a seat. (laughs) And he begins to tell me his story. And I find quickly a moment of, yeah, me too, me too. He's got a terrible relationship with his father. He didn't have a relationship with his dad growing up. And, uh, hey, precious, how are you? Yeah, I see you down there. And I said, you know what? I didn't either. Whoa, really? I said, no, man. My dad didn't want anything to do with me. I said, that's a tough place to be, isn't it? It's a tough place for us to understand the heavenly father's love when our earthly father has abandoned us. He's like, yeah, dude, that's, that's a big problem in my life. And with that, I started to share the gospel. Now, did Ryan stand up, bow before me, confess all of his sins, you know, decide to follow Jesus? No, but I hope he's a little more conscious, and I hope he begins to a little bit more competent when it comes to following. He knows several people that I know. He's like, dude, you know Pastor So? Oh, yeah, I know Pastor So. Oh, really? What about, yeah, I know him too. He's like, dude, this is a crazy small world. I was like, man, not when God's involved. <laughs> It's not small at all. And then share God's story. Share the gospel. Use stories. Use verses from the Bible. It wasn't like I was just telling him my story. I shared biblical truth. And he, the biggest question he had listen to this. Come to kids again. The biggest issue he had, he's like, here's what I don't understand. Because I told him, I said, you have a daughter, right? He said, yeah. I said, when you look at your daughter, how do you love your daughter? He said, I love her like I lo- my daughter loves her daughter. Hey, sweetheart. How do you love your daughter? He goes, man, I love her a lot. So you know, that's how God loves you. He said, you know what, though? That actually does the opposite for me. I said, really? Why is that? He says, because when I look at my daughter, I can't imagine um, sending her to hell. His whole thing is God sends people to hell. His theology is all wrong. His view of God, his study of God is all wrong. I said, that's not who God is. That's not who my God is. See, so, said, man, the, the thing is, is God gives you, Ryan, the ability to choose, and you've made lots of choices in your life so far, haven't you? He said, yeah, some good, some bad. You want God to take that away from you? Well, no, not really. But if my daughter was getting ready to walk off a building, I'd do everything I could to save her. Man, brother, my, my heavenly father has done everything to save you. His name is Jesus. And once you get to know him, he'll never be the same again. Never the same again. Share God's story. Maybe you got some tough stuff going on, but you know what God is bringing you through at this very moment is going to be the testimony that will bring somebody else through. Can I get an amen? Don't forsake what it is you're going through right now because God's going to turn around and use it for good if you let him. Here's the deal. We're only responsible for sowing seed all I did the other day was sow some seed. Or maybe I watered some seed that had already been sowed from these other pastors. It says, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. It's really up to God. God Ryan is in God's hands. I cannot, like, follow Ryan around. Like, okay, man, make sure you're doing the right thing. Right, I can't do that for you either. You can't do that for your kids after a certain point. Right? You can't. you got to let them go. you got to trust them into the hands of the Lord. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers. That doesn't let you off the hook. You still need to plant. You still need to be sowing those seeds. And we sow them sometimes with words. We sow them with actions. We sow them with the way we love one another. We're responsible. And in Matthew 28, when we get the the kind of the the, the the whole thing that goes along with this this whole topic of making disciples, Jesus tells them, "I've been given this authority. Now I'm giving it to you." And he tells them to go. And our desire is for the one or for uh, for the one we are sharing with to want to follow Jesus. Right? We want this. I want Ryan to follow Jesus. I really do. His life will never be the same as if he did. And the first thing Ryan needs to do is he needs to repent and believe. And he needs to be baptized, and he needs to learn to observe the Lord's Supper, which we're getting ready to do in just a moment. We can walk him through. That's the reason why we give stuff like this. So these will be tools for you to help walk people through the process. So if you didn't get one, grab one. Right? Last few things. This is, this is two different scenes on the, both ends. It's from uh, Caribou Coffee just this week. First of all, we need to be discipled. This older gentleman right here, his name is Dave. Dave knows the Bible better than I'll ever know the Bible. He is so full of wisdom and encouragement. And every time I see him, he fills my cup. He disciples me. This young lady right here, she's the youngest Rancudo girl. If you know who the Rancudos are, if you met them through Vineyard, she's there. She's meeting with this older woman who is discipling her, who's teaching her and training her. And then you need to be around other disciples. These are all the youth that were in our house on Sunday night or Wednesday night, and I wasn't there. 25, that's why we're praying for a bigger space. If you know of one, let me know. And my wife is ready for the kids to move on into another home. (laughs) And so are our dogs. Our dogs freak out when they all show up. So when you go make disciples, you need to be intentional about this with your Lord, with God. You need to be intentional with people. You need to look for opportunities and you need to be interruptible. Do not think your agenda is somehow better than God's agenda. If there's something that he's asking you to do and he's gonna interrupt you, allow him to interrupt you. There are people that are gonna interrupt you. Let them. And as you go, disciple them. Because here's the thing. We are the church. This building is not a church. Buildings are not meant to be churches. People are the church. And the church is the hope of the world. And there's no better witness in a life that is completely sold out for Jesus. Will you follow him? Will you become fishers of men?
0: Thanks again for choosing this podcast from The Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or want to speak to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com, and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.